Why don't you guys introduce yourselves to start off with? Okay. So, um, by the way, I'm uh, Tyler Wynn. This is uh, Kim Pimento. And our, sh- our I guess our show right now is uh, changing the game through real estate. So that's kind of how we kind of met each other kind of through um, like real estate and just kind of this kind of got thrown into it and decided to do it. It's like our way of kind of really helping people. So, and uh, we actually, uh, I heard about you when I was talking to Amanda, Amanda Hahn, because I've read her textbook and I'm a big fan of hers. And yeah. she started talking about like self-directed IRAs. And then she, I was like, I, my mind was kind of blown. I'm like, oh, I need to know more about this. She's like, okay, well, if you want to know more about this, this is the person to talk to. So yeah, sure. that's, uh, that's kind of how this all came about. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate you guys asking me to be on your podcast. This is fun. And uh, so, you know, what do you want to know? I'm happy to answer any, anything you want to know about self-directed IRAs. Well, I uh, guess just to backtrack, kind of how did you kind of go about getting into it and everything like that? Yeah, well, I mean, nobody just like wakes up and decides, hey, I think I, I'm going to start a self-directed IRA company today. You know, there's obviously a, a path to that. And and my path started uh, when I uh, worked as a radio announcer for 17 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I moved to Seattle. And so while I was in Seattle on the air, I made friends with somebody who worked at this big property management company. She said, why don't you manage this building? So I started managing a variety of buildings in Seattle, apartment buildings. And so I did property management, radio, then got my real estate license. And then, you know, in this way, started gradually making the switch into real estate like so many of us do. You know, so many real estate professionals have a different background and then they get into this and just get right. So then I, I, I uh, you know, got married, became the trailing spouse and and went, um, you know, we got into mortgage loan servicing eventually and then mortgage loan origination. And then we had the big recession, right? And then, so what am I going to do? You know, because I'm not going to make loans. I'm not going to sell houses. So what am I going to do? So I got a job with a self-directed IRA company and did really, really well there. So it, a couple of years after I started there, I opened up Udirect IRA Services and we're just about to celebrate our 12th anniversary. Okay, well, congratulations. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. So I um I guess like for me like honestly before I read like Amanda Hahn's uh tax book, I had no idea there was such thing as a self-directed IRA or anything like that. So can you kind of tell us like what is a self-directed IRA for anyone who's listening and has no idea? Sure, of course. I mean, it's it, it, there's a lot of confusion about it because, um, and, and I think because an IRA is an IRA, you know, it's just an IRA. But what makes it self-directed is the kind of asset that you can put into the IRA. So think of the IRA like a bucket that's going to hold your assets. So a typical IRA is going to put stocks, bonds, and mutual funds or a CD in that bucket. And that's what you can do when you're working with a financial advisor. But with a self-directed IRA, well, we're not advising you or telling you what to invest in. We're not advising you. We're administrative. And we allow you to invest outside of the stock market into real estate, you know, private uh, placements, um, notes you can buy and and sell, performing and non-performing debt. Um, You can invest in precious metals, so many different kinds of asset classes. Yeah, but most are tied to real estate. I've never heard of one either. So how do you get started? What's the, the first step? Yeah, the first step. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're if you an asset sponsor and you're raising capital, it's super important to know that the self-directed IRAs today represent a pool of like $35 trillion that you can tap into for your deals, right? That's crazy. So self-directed IRAs got really big around 2009, around the recession, when People couldn't go to banks for their real estate deals and people had to get creative. Where am I going to find the money? Well, you've been able to self-direct since 1975 when uh, President Gerald Ford at the time signed the ERISA laws into effect. So ever since then, 45 plus years, you've been able to self-direct okay, your IRA and invest outside the stock market. But in 2009, people couldn't uh, borrow from banks. They just weren't lending on real estate. So everyone, the whole real estate industry ran to self-directed IRAs. So if you're, if you're raising capital, the way you get started is you ask someone, do you have an IRA or do you have a 401k with a previous employer? Because if the answer is yes, then they can take that money. They don't even know that they can. You'll be telling them. But they can take that money and move it from their current retirement account into a self-directed retirement account and then out into um, a deal, you know, out into a deal. 
Now, if you're an investor, if you're if you're saving for your retirement and you think, well, hey, what do I trust more, Main Street or Wall Street? You know, do I want to make all the decisions? Do I want to have control? Uh, do I want to retain more of my earnings? Um, or do I want to invest in the stock market? I mean, both have their places, both have, you know, uh, great uh, attributes uh, either way. But with a self-directed IRA, you get to invest in the asset classes that you understand and that you, you know, that you really know. Uh, so as, as a real estate investor using a self-directed IRA, it's just a way of taking charge. So do you have to, like you mentioned previous employment, so you can't um, be working at a job, let's say, for instance, like around here, you're working at the shipyard or you have like a company or anything like that, and they have a 401k plan that they kind of match up to a certain percentage. Right. So do they not can't do that until after they like quit, leave or retire, or can they do yes. that? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So so when, when you're working for a company that offers a retirement plan first, that's great. You know, that is a great uh, benefit. Definitely contribute as much as you can to it. But you're probably not going to be able to move that money into a self-directed retirement account until you leave the service of that company. But there's one small exception. With 401ks, you can go to the plan administrator and you can say, um, do you, uh, am I allowed to have an in-service transfer? You know, I'm working here. I'm in service. Does the plan document allow an in-service transfer? And if they say yes, and if that is the case, then you may be able to move some of your money, some of your 401k money into a self-directed IRA. But typically, most of the time, you have to wait until you leave that employer and then you can move your money over. Okay. So um, is there like, so I know it was for self-directed IRA, or is there like, like certain guidelines that you have to meet, like in everything, let's say for instance, like all, all your ducks in a row and you're allowed to do it. Are there certain things that you are talking about precious metals, real estate yeah. and stuff like that? Um, I can't just me personally go buy my, uh, buy a house with a self-directed IRA and just call it a day. Like, is there rules? Like, sure. <laughs> There's lots of rules. I mean, the IRS lets us do this and gives us tax breaks, but in exchange, yeah, there are definitely rules. And so largely the rules of self-directed IRAs are, it's like a game of keep away. It's a keep away game, uh, keeping away from prohibited transactions. So first off, all of the things that your IRA invests in have to be for retirement purposes, not for personal use, not for now, but all for later. So your IRA invests in a rental property, not a primary residence, because you're not allowed to have any personal use. You can't have present benefit. You don't benefit today from it personally. Um, you can read about some of these rules and the prohibited transaction rules if, you, if you're a rule book kind of person in the Internal Revenue Code, IRC 4975, okay? Just that's for the rule book people. But just to break it down, um, there are some people who are allowed and some people who are disallowed to the IRA. And this is unusual. There's really no situation, especially investing, where you have to really like understand who you can and can't invest with. For example, your IRA could not make a loan to your wife to start a business because your wife is a disallowed person. So the disallowed people are your ascendants and descendants, like your parents and grandparents and their spouses, you and your spouse, and then your children and grandchildren and their spouses up and down that family tree, right? Disallowed plus uh, any 50-50 business partner or anyone who's got a fiduciary duty uh, to, you know, to your plan, to you or the plan is, is disallowed. So you just keep away from that pretty much. And you just remember arm's length transactions. But honestly, with you direct IRA services, it's one of the thing, the main things we do. People call us and they'll have a consultation with us and say, hey, look, I'm thinking about doing this deal. What do you think? Does it, does it sound like it belongs in a, in a self-directed IRA? And if it's something that involves their children or if they want to and take their IRA and invest a comp in a company they personally own, things like that where it's not arm's length, then we can help them before they even open an account or get into trouble. But if you, if your IRA does commit a prohibited transaction, it's like, it's like you've got all this money you've saved and now it's game over. It's no longer tax protected. That money gets dispersed to you as a taxable event. You get a 1099 and you got to pay tax. So that's why we really help our account holders to understand what they can and can't do. And we have many steps along the process where we're going to be examining the investment and, and, and working with you. And so we're going to be looking for any red flags of prohibited transactions. Ultimately, the responsibility for 
not committing a prohibited transaction rests on the account holder. It is self-directed. So when someone is doing this, they must you know, follow the rules. They're responsible themselves to follow the rules. And we do guide our, our account holders through the process. So, so I guess, uh, clarify, um, I can't be any of my children or anything like that, but it can't be, let's say, if I want to do a business startup, I can't be the, the main, the main person or anything. It can only be in other people's deals, like as an investor. Correct. So other people who are not disallowed. So some of the people that aren't disallowed, by the way, are still family members. So maybe it's your brother or your sister that's going to start a business. Maybe it's your uncle or your aunt or one of your cousins. Your IRA can invest with those people. Okay. So it can best with my, like, my brother. It just can't be my, my daughter and son and stuff like that. Correct. And like my parents and stuff. Yeah. Right? Okay. That's right. And my, not myself. And correct. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. That's unfortunate. Really. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but um, so I guess to, how, to set it up, really, they would be basically, hey, I'm going to call you. I have this uh, certain amount of money in a 401k. I'm a, I, they just said I'll, I'll, I can actually do this and whatnot up to mm-hmm. a certain amount. And then I call you. And then how does that all about go like setting that up? Well, sure. Like I had that very call this morning, you know, someone called me, she said, Hey, I've got some IRAs. I've got some old 401ks from old employers. I want to pool everything together so that I can invest in this, this private placement. Uh, One of her friends is got a a reg D offering, you know, private placement, also called a syndication, raising capital, obviously uh, for it to build an apartment building. And so, so I said, great. So here's what you do. Three things, open an account. That's a process fund the account. That's another process. And then invest, which is is a third process. So opening an account involves obviously filling out some paperwork. We have, you know, we try to make it as streamlined as possible, but we need, there's a $50 setup fee. We need some paperwork. We need a copy of your asset statement. Like if it's an IRA, we need a copy of that IRA statement, things like that. We get the account open. Usually takes no more than 24 hours from when you give us the documentation until the account is open and you're ready to go. You know, you got to log in, you can get in, everything. But the next step is funding the IRA. So there's three ways to do that. You can do an IRA to IRA transfer, you know, like this. So it's one IRA to the other. That's called a transfer. If you're moving over an employer plan, a previous employer plan, that's called a rollover. So you don't fill out our paperwork. You go to the previous employer and you fill out their their paperwork and they will send a check into your IRA. That's the second way to fund it. And the third way is to simply write a check out of your checkbook and make a contribution. Um, we go, if you look at our website, udirectira.com, there's a section about contributions, like, and contributions depend upon the account type, your age, um, your income, things like this. But you can make a contribution. Sometimes these contributions are tax deductible. So you can contribute, get a tax deduction, and then have your, 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 your investing growing tax-free in a Roth or tax-deferred in a different kind of account. So there are tax breaks for doing this. Hmm. So so what I'm hearing is I have just a regular American Funds IRA. And I, if I were to take half of it to yes. buy rental property, I could start up my IRA and purchase rental property with it. Yeah. So let's talk about that process, if you like. You know, we okay, let's go through that. So Obviously, you're going to buy a house, so you know what that's like. I mean, you, there's escrow or there's some title process, and that's typical in a, in a real estate transaction. It's all the same. But bringing the money to the table is, I think, a lot easier because where an IRA can borrow money and I can go into that, it's not a, it wouldn't be a regular kind of a loan that you think of. But normally, I'd say it's going to be all IRA funds in the deal. So you go through the whole process. Your IRA is named as the buyer. You know, your IRA is on the offer to purchase. It's the IRA. Um, When you close, your IRA is on title. Um, If you have renters, they make their rent check payable to the IRA. And the IRA owns the asset, not you personally. So that's good to know. And then we'll wire the money to closing. We'll wire the earnest money or whatever, you know, as you direct. That's hence the name of the company, you know. Um, So you tell us, I want you to wire money here, wire money there. You, you fill out a form, it's called a direction of investment form, where you give us permission to move your money and, and we follow your instructions. So now the funds in the IRA, does it have to totally cover the cost of the rental property or can you use that as a down payment and then finance the remaining? Right. And that is that is like the number one question, right? And so as somebody who spent 16 years in the mortgage industry, this one kind of blew my mind. 
you can use an IRA, but it's it's not it's not like we normally think when we acquire, say, a primary residence. The IRA isn't so much the down payment because normally you have to have a lot of skin in the game with the IRA, but you can get a non-recourse loan, a special kind of loan, like a commercial loan. Um, and by the way, if you'd like a list of non-recourse lenders, we will be happy to email you a list. Our email is info at udirect, letter U, udirectira.com. And we'll send you a list of non-recourse lenders. But typically those lenders are going to require that the IRA have more skin in the game, like 50, 60 percent. And then maybe the other, you know, 50, 40 percent can come from uh, debt. So they'll underwrite the deal and based, you know, like any underwriter, base it on risk and tell you how much they're willing to lend based on the value of the property. But when you do that, when your IRA buys real estate, we all know being real estate investors, real estate has expenses. And 100% of those expenses have to be paid for by the IRA. Mm -hmm. So you really need to leave a 10%, at least a 10% pad in your IRA for expenses. Like your IRA pays the closing costs, the earnest money. Your IRA pays the, you know, the, the, the tax bills. Your IRA pays for the new roof and all the rehab. All expenses are paid uh, by the IRA. But yes, your IRA can get a loan. However, <laughs> there's a... There's a big, however, uh, a caveat here, and that is when the IRA borrows money, it's great, and you can do this, but the IRA is going to need to file a little tax return called a 990T, because when the IRA earns money because of leverage, because it borrowed money, it's going to owe some tax. So you want to get your tax advisor um, involved here. And I'm giving you a lot of information uh, condensed into a short amount of time, because I know we don't have a lot of time, but... But, but you can do these things, and that's what we're here to do is to walk you through, tell you how, explain in great detail. So, you know, any, anyone listening to this podcast can call us or email us at any time and say, hey, can you go deep on that? i really like to understand it more, and we're very happy to explain it. Okay. So the next question, can, send, can like, could Tyler and I have an IRA together? Are you married? No. Okay. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm asking. So I'm um, actually, and that, that is even not, not even relevant because the IRAs are individual retirement accounts. Even if you were a married couple, it would, it's, they're, not joint, they're not joint retirement accounts. They're IRAs, individual retirement accounts. Okay. So it's always, even husband and wife, they're individuals. But if you're, say you, um, for a married couple, there's another kind of account called a solo 401k. So if as a married couple, you own a company, the company can sponsor a solo 401k that 401k can have husband and wife as participants in the plan. And that's the only time really a husband and wife are involved in the same plan is with a, a solo 401k. I think what she's more saying is like, can multiple people that have a self-directed IRA go in on together on like one deal? Absolutely. Like say, I yes. have an IRA, she has an IRA and we have like four other people are have an IRA and we all want to put a down payment toward like a massive apartment building. Well, again, it's not a down payment, so understand oh, wow. that. So, it, so if you're going to invest in an apartment building, maybe you've got maybe there's a private placement deal where where, you, where somebody has got the permission from the SEC to gather investor money, because at some point you're not just partnering; you're creating a pool, you know. And so you need to talk to a good syndication attorney, like Gene Trowbridge, for example, and talk to him and, and find out, hey, am I just gathering? Am I just pooling money, or do I really should I really, you know, is this really a syndication? So you don't cross that line. Um, but yes, you can partner with other IRAs, but listen to this. So say, for example, two people, two of you take both your IRAs and you invest in one house. That's awesome. Yeah. I highly recommend if you do that, you, that you get a property manager to handle the property for lots of reasons. Number one, because the tenants would otherwise have to write one check to your IRA and one check to your IRA. Instead, just write one check to the property manager, right? That's easier. Also, you're not allowed to, as, as IRA owners, like when your IRA owns a house, you can't go in and fix it. <laughs> Actually, it's a prohibited transaction. It's called an over-contribution of sweat equity. How do you like that? So you can't do that. Um, so you can have a property manager do it. So if you're going to have multiple people involved, multiple accounts involved in a deal, you want to have a property manager, and you also want to make sure you get the proper legal advice so you're not accidentally really running a syndication instead of just a partnership. Gotcha. So now does the money that's in the RRA, is it earning anything? I mean, is it earning? It does. Is, yeah. And is it invested? Like, in, like, you know, you picked certain 
funds you want your money to go into? Does it hold funds? It's no? not like that. So okay. a typical IRA is, you know, like you like you open an IRA with your financial advisor and and you're invested in mutual funds or index funds or whatever you've got, right? And then it's all invested. With a self-directed IRA, we don't sell any assets, okay? So we're not helping you invest in anything at all. So the IRA will earn a small percentage, like, you know, really interest rates aren't that high right now, right? But we do pay a, a small amount of interest on idle cash, just a pinch, but it's also not at risk in the market, you know? So there's that. Huh. So the best thing for this to do is really, if you have a lump of cash and you really want to start investing in real estate, that this would be perfect. Right. But your lump of cash has to already be in a retirement account because you can't just put it all into an IRA. Now, if you're self-employed, you could have a solo 401k or something called a SEP IRA both of those kinds of plans allow you to contribute up to $58,000 or 25% of your income, the lesser of, and your tax advisor would help you figure out what your contribution would be for you. So if you're self-employed, you've got more options and could contribute more. If you have, if you work for a company, if you're an employee, you can have a plain old IRA or a Roth IRA and then contribute 6,000 if you're under 70, 7,000, I mean, if you're under 50, sorry, and then uh, 7,000 if you're 50 plus. Um, so lots of fine, fine little details. But this is what we do when we talk to our, you know, our account holders is to say, OK, well, you know, what, what is this is how old I am. This is what I want to do. How do I put this all together? And we answer those questions. Hmm. So so, you know, um, people who are in getting close to retirement age and things like that, could I leave that to my children? What do you do? You know, that's a really good question. That's a really good question, especially right now, um, very timely, because we're on the precipice of some new uh, possible regulations that have to do with passing retirement accounts on to future generations. Um, we had the SECURE Act 1.0 last year, and that was the end of what was called a stretch IRA trust, where you could leave your IRA and to un unborn generations, you know, you, you, and, but that ended last year. Yeah. And so now um, with the new rules that may come out sometime around the end of 2021, right, we're going to see some new regulations. I don't know which ones. I know what's proposed, but I don't know which what's really going to pass. But it, there could be it's like if you pass away, they could make some rule where you're, you're after you pass away. Yes, your beneficiaries can have your IRA, but they have to disperse of all those assets or or pay tax on them, I should say, within maybe five years. So we just don't know how it's going to all shake out. We have to wait and see. Um, how those, how those many, 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 I think there's something like 50 different proposals that affect the, the retirement industry where in my entire 15 year career in IRAs, there's never been this much proposed change. Most of it I see as really for the good of retirement. Uh, most of these changes I see as very positive. Um, so it, it could really benefit retirement savers, but there may be some things that where, um, where the tax will have to be paid sooner rather than later. Okay, one more probably silly question here. Okay, when you say pay taxes, do you mean like they would have to pay taxes on the worth of, say I had 10 houses in my account, they would have to pay taxes on those of what they were worth at that moment, kind of like an inheritance tax? Or okay, well, again, check it out with your tax and legal professionals, but I'll give you my, for, I'll give you my IRA professional view on it, okay. my opinion. Um, but again, ask your professionals. Uh, because what we are is administrators and not advisors, just for right. the lawyers, right? Mm -hmm. But when you have an IRA, it's a tax-protected vehicle. So you're not getting taxed for the money in the IRA unless, you know, you've there are two exceptions, UBIT and UDFI, okay, which, which we kind of touched on, right? So that's a tax-protected situation. If while you're still alive, say you take a withdrawal, you'll be taxed on your withdrawal in most cases, and if you're under 59 and a half, you may also be penalized if you take money out early. Okay. But now say you've passed away, you had a wonderful life, you passed away. Now your, um, your beneficiaries have your IRA. So what happens is that IRA doesn't go through probate. It just, your beneficiaries now have an inherited IRA. It's split whatever, say you have a son and daughter and you split it 50, 50, they each get a beneficiary IRA, and then they're going to have to follow the inherited or beneficiary IRA rules at that time, which may be that, you know, you can, you can take a lump sum, you can, you know, take a, a you know, life, like, 
you know, lifetime withdrawals or so we'll see what the rules are at that time. But typically you may have a couple, they, the beneficiaries may have a couple of choices on how they take the money out. But when the money comes out of the plan, it is almost always taxable. And you, earlier when you said when you buy real estate, it goes in the name of the IRA. And I'm assuming I, I would just name my IRA, my name or my company or whatever. It would be the, a lot of custodians say custodian for the benefit of, you know, or in different, different ways, you know, different companies have different ways of titling it, but it's not in, and your name could be in, you know, it's probably part of the titling because you own, you own the IRA and you're the complete owner, you control, you're, you know, calling all the shots. You own the IRA and then the IRA owns the asset. So you, you know, by you, you own it like that. And there's not any way of like kind of getting it out the month. Let's say for instance, like you buy this property and you get rental income is keeps adding all, all the rent and cash flow that you're getting keeps getting added up and with depreciation, all that stuff. And um, there's no way to get that out at all until like, let's say whatever retirement age or anything like that, or. There is a way. I mean, it's always your money. You can always have it. But if you're under 59 and a half, you'll have a penalty um, and you'll pay if it's a traditional or there are some cases where Roth money can come out tax free. And that's that. I don't want to go into the weeds on that. But but if it's a traditional or a SEP or a 401k or something like that, then typically um, if you're under 59 and a half, you'd have a penalty and would pay tax. But you can have the money. What remains? So more or less. Uh, the rules for like investing in what business you do, it's more like it doesn't really matter to the point that you just can't really touch any of it. It's like almost like a how a 1031 exchange, you can't touch it at all. Right. And that's kind of, so I can't even help market it or anything like that or just. Oh, no, you can. No, it's it's, it's not. It's it, it's different from a 1031 exchange in that, you know, mark, you mean market the property. Any cost of marketing the property will be paid for by the IRA because it would be an expense, an expense of the asset will be paid for by the IRA. And so you, a lot of the things you want to farm off to third parties and have them do it for you. Okay. So what other than real estate, let's say for instance, this guy comes to you like with a great idea. He wants to open up like a restaurant, a bar or anything like that. Yeah. Could yourself direct the IRA invest in that startup or do there, there are certain like guidelines with that? There are definitely guidelines. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I know I know enough to be dangerous, right? Because which is to say, I know every single little teeny nuance of what could possibly possibly happen, and it could be a lot simpler. Because I want to just say that with self-directed IRAs, it just really opens up a gateway of possibility. But yeah, you knew, you need to know how to navigate the road, so you, so you do so that you get there, get where you want to go, and you don't run into any potholes. If we're going to go with that metaphor, right? So so your friend opens a restaurant. So say you open a restaurant. I have a self-directed IRA. I think, oh my gosh, I know you're going to do a great job with this restaurant. You've got a whole history of it. And I know I just really believe in this thing. I want to do this. So if my IRA invests in your restaurant in an equity position, okay? So now my IRA is a member of the LLC that you formed that owns the restaurant. I have just had my IRA invest in an active business and my IRA will have to pay a tax. That's called UDFI unrelated debt financed income tax. All right. You can read about it at irs.gov publication 598. All right. That said, what I might choose to do instead, if I want to do this is I might not go that tax way. What I might do is I might take my IRA, invest in your awesome restaurant that I'm so excited about as a debt partner. So my IRA lends and makes a note to your business to like say to your LLC or you, if maybe you're sole proprietor, so maybe you do personally, however it works out. And you can make it, you know, secured, maybe unsecured, probably secured if it's a big, you know, people like secured notes. So my IRA can lend money uh, to you or to your entity for your for business purposes without that tax. And then your, your business pays my IRA um, what it's promised to pay on that note. So... So a self-directed IRA can have equity position. It can have loans and everything like that. Could it be both? Could it be like a uh, a venture capital, like, hey, uh, what you call it? Um, say, I give you this amount of money. I get uh, 5% interest and I get- And a like kickback at the end or yeah. like a, a kicker. Yeah. Like when you sell, um, that kicker can lead to that tax. So again, you want to talk to a tax professional about it. And, and I could, that's a, that's a, 
It's a great question, and, uh, and, um, but it could lead to attacks, so I'd be happy to go deep on that um, with anyone who's particularly interested. But um, it could lead to the UDFI tax. But yes, you can do it. Yeah. And you know what? With, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm more or less trying to find every possible loophole <laughs> oh. I can find in life. So anything I can do to like maximize something or avoid the, the system that I feel like is designed yeah. to make people not successful is how to uh, like just to more or less find like loopholes around things. So that's why I always ask questions. like. Well, that. this is investors. Investors are smart people that think outside the box are always willing to go the extra mile. are going to make that deal work. The IRS knows you guys, you know, knows us, you know, and knows that already has these simple rules that are just genius in their simplicity that prevent you from doing certain things or, you know, curtail certain activities. So, you know, we just help you stay, you know, color within the lines so that you have a, a prosperous investment that's going to turn out the way you want. Yeah. And uh, let's say like, for instance, like, let's say for instance, like you're, you're like have high taxable income and stuff like that. And you're trying to lower your taxes. Could you put like a lot of that money into a self-directed IRA? Cause then you're technically not paying, you're lowering your taxable income. So you put in a self-directed IRA and you can use that self-directed IRA yeah. to invest without paying tons of taxes. Well, is, sure. You want that... to contribute to an IRA if it's, that's when you talk to your CPA, like we were talking about Keystone CPA, right? Paul, you call Keystone CPA or a CPA and you say, hey, this is what I want to do, but there are contribution limits. Or say you inherit some money and all of a sudden you get this big windfall, this like, what am I going to do? I don't want to pay tax. You want to tax shelter. Well, it's you can put some money, as long as you have that exact same amount of, as um, money that you've earned, you know, from activity, from business, active income, um, You can, but your contribution limit is, is still going to be limited and capped. Traditional and Roths, again, the cap is six or seven thousand dollars compared, you know, depending upon your age. A SEP or a 401k that most you could contribute is fifty-eight thousand dollars per year. So you're going to have contribution caps annually. But it's also possible uh, to, like in January, uh, say for example, if you didn't make, if you didn't make, a, if you don't make a 2021 contribution, now it's January 2022, you could actually make a 2021 and 2022 contribution in January. So there are ways of sometimes of putting two years contributions together at once. But if you just have a whole bunch of money, all of a sudden you want to stick it into a, an IRA to, um, you know, to avoid tax or to delay the tax, um, then you got to, you got to look at those contribution limits. Well, if, uh, way you're saying, it's probably not right where I'm thinking. So let's say for instance, do I have to have it already established? So I can't just be like, Hey, uh, this is my contribution for 21, 20, 19, 18. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it doesn't go back that far. It's only some, there's only this window between January 1 and April 15 when you can contribute for two years, like uh, the current year and the previous year. That's how, that's the limit. Not doesn't go back any further. Too bad though. That would be great. I'd love to yeah, see that. Been. Look at you thinking outside the box there, just like an investor. <laughs> I honestly, I just hate taxes. That's why I had Amanda on here, and I was more or less grilling her, trying to find every possible scenario out of it. Yeah, I do the same thing with Amanda. Yeah, it's like you know, here, this is have another baby, Karen. She says, you know, it's like yeah, that's <laughs> not today. Yeah. So uh, I guess you mentioned uh, solo four hundred one k. So what is the difference uh, between a solo four hundred one k and like a self directed IRA? Do you know like what's the kind of difference between them two? Because I yeah, hear I've heard solo four hundred one ks, and I've heard self-directed also. Right. Well, um, an IRA is one thing. It's an individual retirement arrangement. It's one structure. A 401k is a different kind of a structure. They're, they're different little in different little universes. So if you go with a solo 401k, you have to be self-employed. All right. That's one rule. Number two is you can't have any full-time employees in any of the businesses you own, any of them. If you have 15 businesses and one full-time employee, you don't qualify for a solo 401k. All right, so you pass that test. But the solo 401k is so great because if you do pass it, like if you're a realtor, a real estate investor, and you you don't have full-time employees, uh, those are two scenarios where it's really great um, because you get to have these great big contributions, like I said, up to $58,000. Again, the lesser of 25% of your income or $58,000 and your tax person determines, helps you determine that amount. 
So great big contributions. You can split it up between some can be Roth and some can be, you know, uh, pre-tax, you know, pre-tax and after-tax buckets. It has two buckets, an employer and an employee bucket. So it's, and, and there are a lot of uh, other bells and whistles. Like you can actually borrow money from a 401k, a solo 401k for personal use. You can borrow money from a solo 401k. You can borrow $50,000 or 50%, the lesser of $50,000 or 50% of the account value. Draw it out personally, but you have to pay the 401k back um, or over five years, um, either a quarterly or monthly payment. So you have to pay it back, okay, at a market rate, a reasonable rate. But then you can take the money out for personal use. Maybe you want to use it to send your child to college. Maybe you want to use that money to uh, buy a personal residence or something. Uh, but whatever you do, you can you can you can't borrow money from an IRA, but you can borrow money from a 401k. That's another one of the differences. Two different universes: the IRA universe, the 401k, the qualified plan universe. So a solo 401k kind of works a lot like a normal 401k for like a company. It kind. is a normal 401k. It's just oh, okay. it's just in this case it's, it's for just by yourself. Yeah, and sometimes this uh, solo 401k is some for some reason labeled an eQRP. Um, you know, a, like a qualified plan. It's, it's, I don't know what EQRP really means, except because it's not in the IRS tax code, but the 401k is, and the solo, the solo 401k is in the tax code. It's the same thing. It's a 401k for, again, um, individuals that have no full-time employees. So it's technically the same thing. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I feel like I've learned a lot, but I guess the, the main reason we kind of wanted, uh, wanted you on here was because so real estate and business in general is super expensive to get into. And there's, and if you don't have money, it's really hard to really get there. So I was trying to like, think like how is what's certain ways that we can kind of, you can kind of tap into to help finance certain deals and everything like that. So when Amanda was, uh, when I read Amanda's book, uh, the tax savvy real estate investor, that was the first time I heard about it. And she was talking about like self-directed IRAs and how they can help fund real estate. That's what really made me kind of look more into it. And um, have you worked with like any like new investors that kind of have like really kind of done that and kind of help kickstart a lot of the stuff they're doing or Exactly. You know, and that is one of the great powers of the self-directed IRA. It's, it's a real grassroots way of, of especially after the, after the recession. Um, people, and, and now we've just had this COVID experience and a lot of people are re-kickstarting their businesses, restarting their businesses, needing capital get, to get restarted. It's a great grassroots way of people helping people. You know, my IRA invests in your business. You grow. And as you grow, you pay my IRA back and my retirement grows. So you benefit, I benefit. Wow, that's beautiful, you know? And it doesn't involve any handout or government plan. It's, it's individuals helping, helping each other. And, it's, and, and, everyone, and everyone wins in a situation like that. Of course, you want to do your due diligence and, you know, and make sure you're investing in a, in a good deal. Um, but yeah, it's just a great way to, uh, to help build the economy. Yeah, I, I personally hate uh, normal like company four hundred one ks and stuff like that. So I'd like rather find a way for me to control like my future and everything like that. And I like self directed IRAs because at least I get to choose the businesses it's in and everything like that. Because I feel like I can do a way better job than I believe the four hundred one k could do. I agree, do. and you know, four hundred one ks are great if your if your employer is going to match, for example, that's free money. That's free money yeah. to take it. You know save for retirement, you know, use the 401k to your advantage, stick away that money tax deferred. That's amazing. Just it's, I mean, if if you do that, I think you win. Then when you leave the employer, now you've got a chunk you can take and now set aside into alternative assets. And while you're working there, you can be thinking about what kind of deal, like you, you see other people do deals. You join real estate investment clubs. You can listen to podcasts like this one and you, and what other deals are people doing where they're succeeding? And you kind of get it in your head like, oh, this is how I could do that deal. And when, then maybe when you leave that company, you're ready to pull the trigger. You've got a game plan and you go and now you've got the capital. And if you don't, you can bring in another IRA, another person with a self-directed IRA to partner with you. Yeah. And I, I, I say I think like I feel like the system doesn't they don't really ever tell you that about the 
self-directed IRAs or anything. Like, even yeah. when I talk to people at 401k, they're like, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. I read this book and I swear, I swear, I don't think I'm she's Amanda. lying. I think she's Amanda doing... said, yeah. Yes, Amanda <laughs> said this. I'm going to call her and say, yeah. hey, they're calling you a liar. She's but, the best. Um, so let's say, for instance, like, obviously, I don't think I feel like I would tell them, hey, I'm trying to turn my 401k into a self-directed IRA or anything like that. I'd probably, like, once they ask that question, all I have to do, all they have to do is contact you, say, hey, my employer said this, you mm -hmm. take it from here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're the experts and that's what we do is, is help people kind of filter through and sort out what you can and can't do. And so that's what we're going to say. What do you want to do? And then we can say, well, if you, you know, so if you, you take your self-directed IRA um, and, you know, how to get from here to there, we can help you at least know, you know, the path to walk so that your IRA can hopefully get to your goal. And if your IRA can't get to the goal, we're going to tell you up front so you don't waste your time and your money. And you you uh, can do um, invest like let's say for instance like a self directed IRA can can't you invest that into public equities too like public stocks and stuff like that? You can have another well we don't sell any investments at all so you can yes you can leave some money with a brokerage a brokerage house and invest in the market absolutely when your money is with UDirect IRA services you know in, in a UDirect account. That money is strictly there for self-directing purposes, for alternative asset purposes. And we won't sell you any assets at all. Oh, okay. But you so, can have so, two accounts. So as I understand it, you can't put real estate into an IRA. You can only have the money and then purchase it once it's in the IRA. Is that correct? Your IRA purchases the real estate. Right, right. You can't just inherit some real estate and put it in there. Correct. It. Yeah. The okay. only way you can contribute to an IRA is with cash, not with assets. So if you and inherit a house, in, yeah. And what about inheritance? I know that, you know, we're fixing to hand over the greatest amount of wealth we've ever handed over with this generation. Yeah. Um, so can you hide some inheritance in, in an IRA? <laughs> no. And the word hide is, you know, right. There's no hiding. <laughs> right. You know, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can, uh, but no, but I mean, as far as using an IRA, you inherit money when you, the, the rules about contributing to IRAs and 401ks is that you must have earned income and you must have, you know, active income and you must have had enough active income at least to equal the amount of your contribution at least, uh, you okay. see. Uh, I have a question. So for instance, let's say for instance, you, uh, you're doing your self-directed IRA and let's say you do it in real estate and it starts uh, appreciating a lot and everything like that. Let's say it appreciates like, like 150,000 or whatnot. It, can I refinance that property uh, through that self-directed IRA? And you, yes, you can. You can have a non-recourse lender refine that, refi that property. You can, yep. yes. Sentence and when it's refinancing, it's considered debt. So can I take that out? Personally? Yeah. No, you can't they do can't a. Do you're not going to do a cash out refi. Oh. Damn. Pretty much in an IRA. But but you, what you could do is talk to a non-recourse lender. You're never going to have personal use of the IRA money. IRAs are for later, they're for investment purposes only, not for personal use. And when you take the money out, you get taxed. And if you're if you're under 59 and a half, you get penalized. I know the look on your face. I know, but but you look at like that because you're not near retirement age. But when you're near retirement age, you're like, yeah, I'm almost that age anyway. So what's yeah, like, the deal? I'm like 29, so I got oh my gosh. All right. Well, you know what? Be your own best friend because guess what? You're gonna be that age one day. So just be your very best friend and save now for later. And you're going to be just mm -hmm. knocking yourself out, patting yourself on the back that you did this for yourself. And you'll be so happy that you set yourself up for success like that. So I guess I have a personal question. Have you ever self-directed uh, anything into a deal or anything like that? You better hope so. You know, <laughs> yeah. like what am I doing here? I have. Yeah. I've invested in some, you know, you talk, um, you're talking a little bit about him about um, about the silver tsunami, right? Kind of how all these people are turning uh, 65 every day. I think that's what the silver tsunami is all about, right? Big transfer of wealth, generational wealth, absolutely. And so I invested in some, um, I guess, retirement homes, like retire, like care facilities, yes, uh, with my self-directed IRA. So I invested in a private placement, right? And it was a long time ago, and. And I, I thought, I don't know, I don't even know what happened to this. It wasn't a large, a tremendously large amount of money. I thought, well, maybe just, I just never heard about any, you know, any of it. And I was really busy, you know, 
and my kids are, are out now, but I mean, like raising kids and running this business and, you know, being busy to really pay too much attention to that investment. Well, then seven years later, all of a sudden I get this gigantic payoff. So I invested in this and it was actually a REIT. I invested in this REIT and it just baked there forever. And then one day they, they have a, a liquidity event and there was a big payout. So that's what I did in my Roth IRA. So that money came back to me, um, you know, tax-free. So I could take it out of my Roth tax-free, uh, 59 and a half, you can take it out tax-free. So there you go. Okay. So yeah. technically you just kill it all the way up to like 59 with your self-directed yeah, IRA. Once it's 59 and a half, start yeah. taking it all out. I can start well, taking if, it out. If you now. want to, or just leave it there. So you have it for, so it's, it's sitting there tax deferred. I mean, it's still tax-free, right? Cause it's Roth money, but, but I mean, you know, work with a tax whether with a professional to help, you know, like have layered, uh, you know, basically um, cash flow, you know, different cash flow from different assets, your yeah. IRA being one of them. And, and, but yeah, when you're, if you have a Roth IRA and you've had a Roth IRA for at least five years and you hit 59 and a half, you can draw the whole thing out tax-free, you know, right then if you want to, or you can leave it there and let it bake some more. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess you. Uh, so I guess you invested someone. Uh, was it a public read or like your oh, it was friend? A, pr- a private read. Okay, private read. You invested in private read. Um, put such such money in. Money in there. Seven years later, you just uh, they had a huge payout, and you were able to just maximize that money like crazy because yeah, you used your I guess your company's four hundred one k to invest. No, the two the two are completely separate. They're, they're, those two, our company's 401k and my self-directed Roth IRA don't touch each other. They're, they're, they're completely different. So can anyone turn their Roth, uh, Roth IRA into a self-directed IRA? Absolutely. Yes. So if I had, let's say for instance, yeah. I had a Roth IRA where I was just paying taxes up front and voting later and, um, say that you have tons of money in a Roth IRA, you can turn that, that's pretty easy to turn that into a self-directed IRA, right? It's called a transfer. You transfer, you can, you can transfer a traditional, a Roth, SEP, simple, spousal, inherited, you know, uh, all these different kinds of IRAs, IRA to IRA transfer. So they can all become self-directed and just invest in different kinds of assets. The rules, the rules, the IRA, it's an IRA. All the rules are the same. It's just now it can hold a different class of assets. Huh. All right. Just for someone watching this, um, just explain to us the Roth IRA, the difference in the Roth and the traditional. Yeah. Um, I take a class once every three years for my designation called CISP, Certified IRA Services Professional, right? We have a day on the Roth, so I could go, but I'll just be succinct here, which is to say a Roth and a traditional have similarities. They have similarities in that and how much you can contribute. Again, 6,000 if you're under 50, 7,000 if you're 50 plus. Okay, that's the same. Um, that country, say you're 49 years old and you can contribute $6,000. Well, it's not just for one account. It's $6,000 for, if you have a traditional and a Roth, it's 6,000 for those two combined. So it's not 6,000 and 6,000, it's 6,000 combined for the traditional and Roth. That's good to know, all right? Yeah. We'll start there. But where they vary is that the traditional IRA, the money goes in. A lot of times you get a tax break for contributing. And so it goes in, um, you know, tax deferred, but it comes out taxable, right? But it, while it's in there baking, it's a, it's tax deferred. With a Roth, the money comes in after you pay, t- it's after tax money that gets contributed. So you're not getting that a tax write-off. The money grows tax deferred and comes out if you meet two qualifying events, which would be like one qualifying event would be having a Roth IRA for five years. And the other would be turning 59 and a half. So if you meet these qualifying, you know, qualifying arrangements or, uh, you know, really kind of like milestones, then you can pull it out, uh, pull the money out tax-free. So that is kind of the difference between the two is the tax treatment. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so you can just take your Roth IRA and put it into a self-directed is IRA to IRA, right? Exactly IRA. correct. And then, so, so for example, you see somebody investing in some ground up thing and you know it's going to have, a, especially when you see somebody with a big, something with a big potential, you want to get it in your Roth so that that growth is is tax deferred or tax free ultimately. I mean, I think that's a, a, I think that's a great way to start out when people who technically doesn't like, maybe not have money and maybe they were just, 
working through uh, working a nine nine to five almost their whole career, and they want to maximize everything now. I mean, I think like that would be a great way to maximize your retirement plan, or even it if you is. have a little bit amount of money in there, that'd be still I feel like a great idea. Because I mean, I, you, I, you said you did it, and it was definitely worth it. And you're on your end, so yeah, I had a home run with my investment. That I, did, I just I thought it was dead, and all of a sudden here comes this big check. It was like eighty five percent return. I don't know how. Maybe it's real estate. You know? Right. I, I'm going to tell you a little um, Roth trick if you want to hear. Okay. So there's something you may have heard of called the backdoor Roth. All right. That's just a, a, a jargon sort of a term. It doesn't, something called a backdoor Roth doesn't exist in the IRS tax code. It's just what people call it commonly. But in 2010, like 11 years ago, 2010, there was a, um, an act that was passed called TIPRA, the Tax Increase Reconciliation and Prevention Act. Like what a mouthful, right? So what that act said is that in 2010 and thereafter, you can convert pre-tax accounts to Roth regardless of your income. Wow. So it created the backdoor Roth. So you could make too much money to contribute to a Roth. I have on the UDirect website is the chart that tells you, like if you're married or single or what you are, what, what that threshold is. And it changes yearly. And so you could make too much money and say, I, I make too much money. You know, I can't even contribute to a Roth. But you can still do a backdoor Roth. You can take your pre-tax money, like your SEP IRA. You can take your um, pre-tax 401k money. You can take your traditional IRA. And do, regardless of your income, convert to Roth. And now you've got this big pool of money where all the growth will be tax-free for life. But that conversion is taxable. You get a 1099 for the amount you convert. So you're going to pay some taxes now, but the money is going to become Roth. And then now the future earnings are all tax-free for life. So that today we still have access to what is commonly known as the backdoor Roth. And that's why. And you can still do it. And a lot of people do it and follow the rules. And then they have a great big, huge Roth and everyone goes crazy thinking only rich people do this. Well, you know, Great. We all want to be one of those people. Don't you want to be one of those people that does yeah. super smart it's just things? Not talked, it's just not talked about. Yeah. And I think that it's a it's a scary topic, I think, sometimes to people for some reason. Well, it's intimidating till you're comfortable. Yeah. Till you're comfortable, which is why you, you're like your podcast is such a great thing because you're teaching people about things maybe they hadn't heard before. And, and, and they hear it once, you hear it again. Like you're just saying, you heard about the IRA, so you wanted to know more. And no more and no more. And I've been in the industry, like I said, at least 15 years. Uh, UDirect is about to turn 12 years old. We see a lot of different things. And I'm learning new things all the time. You know, just little intricacies of, of the process. Right. I feel like a lot of things with like life and like the government in general, just in my opinion, it's a, they don't really like telling you things that really make you succeed. It's more or less everything <laughs> that can really help benefit them and make you pay more taxes and make them more money. And I feel like this is kind of like a loophole and I feel like the, if more people take advantage of it, they're just going to get rid of it. So, yeah. So, so, so that, that's why, why you can, you're going to, you're going to help a lot of people become savvy investors by educating them with your, with your guests and with your knowledge. Hey, if not, I'm definitely using it. So <laughs> but, <laughs> there you go. But, um, I mean, I, I mean, like even while I was talking to Amanda, like my mind's blown. I feel like I've learned a lot. And so if I wanted, if we wanted, someone wanted to take advantage of the backdoor Roth and everything like that, because it was kind of like a, a mind, mind blown element. Do they just, Hey, I'm going to call you direct IRA.com. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so and then they, they call you and say, yeah. and say, Hey, I heard about the backdoor Roth. How do we go about doing that? And yeah, and we'll, we'll lay it out for you and see if that's something that you want to do. It's got tax consequences, but so it's yeah. a, it's a long term play. You know, you have to and you you know want to bring your tax advisor into that plan. You want to bring you know you you just want to bring your advisors into your plan, especially and have advisors who are advising you about your long game. You know, and because it's part of your long game right there. But of course, we'll help you. So and you know, I'll tell you what. So a lot of people want to find self directed IRA investors. Like, how do I do that? Well, we have a we have a group on LinkedIn. We are on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on all over the place. You know what I mean? Instagram, even we're all over. Do we? Uh, you know, you direct. We do a lot of different podcasts like yours, always educating and answering questions. Or just you know, go to our website and click uh, um, uh, uh, schedule a consultation, and then we'll reach out and schedule it. You know, and chat with you in like twenty minutes and go over all your questions. 
Anyway, I have a kind of strange question. It doesn't like you're 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 in California, right? I am. Uh-huh. So it doesn't matter that where you're at, like, or if someone's in Virginia or Georgia. No, or... we have account okay. holders in every single state in America. So it's it, we're now you know we're a national company. Okay, so like more or less, if they want to be successful, Amanda and you are their best friends. Yes. <laughs> well, we, we and Amanda and I are good friends. We started our businesses at the same time in the same yeah. building. Oh, gee, that works. Yeah. Y'all are right next to each other. Yeah. One quick question, just to clear. Okay, when you say the backdoor um, IRA, you said it's for the long haul. In your mind, what is that? Ten years at least? Oh, it's up to you. You know, you you develop your plan, and so you develop what your plan is. But you know, because you're going to the so again, the process is you take a pre-tax account, do a conversion. That conversion is taxable, so you're going to get a right. tax set right then. But then you then now you've got the money in a Roth where it's going to grow tax free. So then you select the asset that you're going to use to to blow that money up, you know, tax free. And so that is your however long that takes. Maybe long term is five years. I, I don't know. But uh, it depends upon the opportunities that you come across by being somebody who's really tuned into. So that somebody who has really has their attention on investing and succeeding at investing. And you listen to other you know awesome podcasts that where people are telling you this is how you succeed in investing and, and take all these little tidbits and, and apply them to your, you know, and develop your own strategies. Right. So there's really no rule. So somebody say already, you know, my age and, you know, sixties, I could still do it knowing that we, our lifespans are longer now. Yeah. So you could do it and let it sit there for 10 years. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and by the way, you can, there's no um, limit on the number of IRAs you can have. It's just the, the amount you can contribute to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can contribute, you know, to each to each account. And, um, uh, you know, once you hit, then there's also an age where you hit, um, like when you're now 72, where you're required to take the money out of a pre-tax account, not a Roth, but a pre-tax account uh, called a required minimum distribution. And that age may even go up to 75 at the end of the year. We'll see how those rules, you know, uh, come out when, uh, you know, when the bills are passed. All right. Because we're living longer. Yeah. I know. I could just sit here and ask questions all day long because <laughs> there's just well, so many do. little bit, there's so many acronyms and little bitty things to remember in, you know, in the financial world. The, so it's like, true. Yeah. But then you get to be, com- the more you hear it, the more comfortable you are with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more, like, like I think it was like years ago, I started reading, like, I used to read like a book, a, a book a month. I used to read a book a month. And I feel like the more I felt like I learned, the more I realize I don't know no, anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I don't know anything. And it's been like a couple of years later, I still feel like like talking to all these people, uh, even especially talk, uh, starting the podcast is like, wow, I don't know like anything. <laughs> and it's just cool to hear like different strategies. They don't really talk about that much or I don't, I guess don't promote that very much. And that's why it's uh, such a cool that. We well, keep reading a book a month, man. You're going to, you're going to just, you'll, you'll know more than anybody by the time you're on, right? <laughs> yeah, trying, trying. <laughs> but, um, so if, I guess uh, you're talking about you direct to com, um, what's the uh, best way to people can find you, get a hold of you or anything like that? Right. So it's the website. It is uh, the letter U, udirectira.com. And, you know, we've got live chat. You can schedule a consultation. You can email us. You can call us on the phone. Um, you know, just, of course, you know, it's, technology age you know we even have yeah. a fax machine <laughs> if you yeah. really want to go old school you can fax us <laughs> so it's really easy to get a hold of us and all these social media outlets we're all over social media you know we'll you can leave us a message on our instagram and we'll find you somehow you know so <laughs> so lots of ways to get a hold of us so what's y'all's uh, instagram name i don't think actually i don't think i follow you direct ira you direct ira all right there you go i'll, figure, I'll follow you all right after this <laughs> all right we so are you, yeah, are you, follow you back so you yeah. on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Okay. And what else? And just, I mean, yeah. Still, so just you direct IRA, right? Yes. Okay. You direct IRA. You betcha. TikTok, Twitter. Yeah, there's there's tons of them. Now. <laughs> yeah, but, Twitter. We're um, on Twitter. We're not on TikTok yet because you know that that's that's next. I'll get my uh my my uh my kids to do it. You know. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Same that, here. That would be really impressive. You get your kids talking about IRAs. That blow everyone's mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they love it. They believe me. They've been raised. They can, yeah. you know, they, they know how to do it. They have they have Roth IRAs. All right. Yeah. Get them straight. But, um, 
I, again, I really appreciate you coming on here. I think you're going to like just hearing things that we don't actually really hear about very much. And that's kind of like the main reason we started this channel is to find people like you that about systems you don't really hear about or they don't teach you or anything like that it really helps you be successful. And I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your knowledge that, yeah. uh, about self-directed IRAs that, I mean, even I barely heard about it. I think I heard about it, like someone was whispering one time and I heard about it. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's been like total pleasure. Yeah, yeah, I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. yeah it, was, it was nice talking to you again, by the way. All right, talk soon.